Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're uh, chasing wins this year. This is Chasing Wins. Uh, and you're in a rush because free agency is too late. Free agency is not that deep, right? You got... We only have the veteran minimum available to us. We don't have the MLE. We don't have a trade exception. We, I mean, we only have the veteran minimum. Now, who's available for that? Not a ton of names. There's really not a ton of options and, and high-level names like an Otto Porter that would take the minimum on a prove-it deal. Or even Dante for an MLE. We don't even have that available to us. Uh, now, think about this. The best-case scenario for me in free agency is – probably going to be Tory Craig because if you look at all the names that are available no player is as versatile from a defensive rebounding and shooting standpoint as him and he's already making five million so he would need, need to take a pay cut just to join us on the minimum now I wouldn't expect him to, to even come to us uh Yuta Wat- Watanabe is another name but again I don't expect him to make the minimum I he's a three-year 18 million dollar player then you look at a guy like Trey Lyles I expect him to stay, stay with Sacramento these guys are pretty solid role players. Once you move past these names, there aren't that many, you know, great options out there that are available. And we would have to take a flyer on a couple to really see, like, you know, the only other name I could think of is Adario Saric, but he's not necessarily a playoff piece. He's more so of a regular season by minutes type of player. So most, if you think about it, most avenues to get better are going to have to be via trade. If we are going to trade, it would most likely include or involve Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, possibly PBJ, and the 19th pick. Any combination of those five assets. Now, again, on draft night, that 19th pick is not going to be used for another 18-year-old or twenty, even 21-year-old. Like, I highly expect that 19th pick to be packaged in some former fashion with our young players to acquire a at least solid championship level piece. I believe Jordan Poole is the odd man out. I believe the Warriors want to keep Kaminga if they can. But if Kaminga, yeah, I, I, I think Jordan Poole is the odd man out. I think if Kaminga has to go, they'll let him go. But I think if, because here's the thing with the OG trade, I think they want to try to get OG without Kaminga. I think they want to try to trade with Jordan Poole, 19, and see if they can keep Kaminga with OG, with Wiggins. Now, is that ideal? I don't know. But based on the movement and based on the, the noise that I've been hearing, they're willing to part ways with all of the young players, but 
they would prefer to keep Kaminga if they can. Um, but like I said, if you wait after the draft, that 19th pick, whoever that converts into becomes useless because you would need to partner with a team that actually wants a player, that specific player that you pick. The, the value of trading the 19th pick on draft night is so that the team you trade it to actually wants or picks the player they want. So again, when you consider all these moving parts, plus the CBA, the changes that are made from that standpoint, and the fact that the CBA, certain money, certain trades, uh, the restrictions that are made, and 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 money in, money out, things of that nature, it is it's probably ideal to to offload your assets while they're still you know fresh, and 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 then from that standpoint, as opposed to waiting. After that, after the fact, and then trying to you know figure out what the movement's going to be. So I think draft night's going to be chaos, not only for Warriors fans, but for for across the league. But I think the Warriors' best bet, and I think what I would expect is for them to actually make a tangible move on draft night, maybe two. Um, that's that's my feeling, because again, free once you wait past free agency, not a ton of options to get better, and the market might dry up. If you wait right on draft night, teams are going to be active regardless and aggressive. If they make their moves, if Siakam's gone, maybe OG's gone, maybe this guy, that guy, and you run out of options and now you're left with a dry market, now you may have to overpay for who's left and available, which is not ideal. I think the Warriors, based on all accounts, have been aggressive, which tells me that it's most likely they make a move on the most aggressive night of the season, draft night. What are your thoughts? And and are there any players that you think maybe, you know, you would like the Warriors to look at? For me personally, OG Ananobi uh, is the number one name that I think we're, we're kind of, you know, that's that's probably the most realistic option. And that's a, a, a player that we're going to revisit, I think, in the, in the coming days. I think those talks are going to heat up. What are your thoughts? So we're going to find out what Mike Dunleavy is made of. Uh, you know, we can, everything is a guessing game at this point, but. You know, we logically speaking, it makes sense to move the 19th pick and try to whatever the case may be, move up or either way, trade, find a way to trade it, uh, because there is no point to have the Warriors draft a new player. That there's no point that would just add on to the another player that Steve Kerr is not going to play. Yeah, it makes no sense. So I think everybody can figure that out at this point. So, so yes, I think hopefully we'll see some trades for the Warriors come uh, draft night, which is, like you said, very soon. So we're going to have some answers really soon. Uh, no matter what happens, the Warriors are uh, going to, at the end of the day, trade Jordan Poole. He's, he's like definitively like he's gone. He's just like Kuminga except more – pronounced yeah. because you already paid him yep. that yep. like starter money right so he has to go you know the way he just doesn't fit with the warriors the fact that they have to play these small lineups where you have at least a couple of holes defensively starting with him pool and then the fact that clay has shown you know diminishing signs as a defender you got two more or less holes in your defense that just cannot happen. You can maybe deal with one. Uh, you can compensate one by having elite other pieces around them. But you combine it with like 
you know, inexperience, uh, veterans that are dying out defensively, and you look like trash on defense. You can't guard anybody. You can't rebound. Like, you don't do the fundamental things that help you win games uh, when Jordan Poole's in there. Uh, that's not to say that you can't build around Jordan. Obviously, you can. Uh, his abilities as a, uh, as a starter and as a bench player are just so vastly different. We've seen that. And we've also seen the ability to win with him as a starter. Right? They, they showed that in the first 20 games uh, last year. They went 18-2 and two with him as a starter. You know, people forget that. Uh, and then obviously this year, they went on two different winning streaks, uh, more than when Steph was, you know, in the starting lineup, you know, two different five game winning streaks with Poole in there. So it's a completely different dynamic. Uh, so and I think other teams see that value in him. So as long as the Warriors have the will to move him, which they should, he's gone. So no matter what happens on draft night, he's still going to get moved one way or another for a viable piece for the Warriors. So changes are going to come no matter what um, happens on draft night. But you combine that with the fact that Kuminga is also, you know, he needs to be moved. We've already discussed that in detail. So him and Poole are basically, you know, similar situations. They're all trying to carve out their careers, their, you know, their own kind of legacy. Uh, as their own player. Um, that's their own player. That's a weird way to say it, but you know what I mean. Uh, as far as what the Warriors need, I've been talking about this since like November, right? They, they, they've needed the same pieces for a while and it hasn't changed. You know, I, let's see. I In 2022, December, I listed some names that the Warriors could potentially go after early in the season. Like I lifted uh, Crowder, Caruso, uh, Pirtle, uh, Turner, Kuzma, Olenek, Vanderbilt. And, uh, you know, these types of players like Olenek and what's his name? The one on the uh, jazz that the Warriors want at power forward. Uh, Markinen. Oh, Markinen, Markinen. Yeah, he Markinen, would be a, yeah, right? he would be a big, big acquisition. So, yeah. yeah, like Olenek and... Um, Markkinen would be what the Warriors are looking for. A space out, you know, uh, power forward uh, who can play alongside Draymond and uh, play good defense. And Olenek is like an actual backup center. You know what I mean? So bigs, they, they the Warriors need bigs or guys that are playing that big position. To me, a power, somebody who plays power forward is a big. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just, there's no way to, a power forward yeah. and a center are your bigs. Otto was a big for the Warriors. So. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He played, could play the three, natural four, and could play some small ball five. Exactly. So these are the kinds of players that we're looking for. Obviously, I agree with you when it comes to OG. That is the kind of the number one guy that I'm looking for. Uh, I'm looking at. If they got OG and put him next to Draymond and Wiggins, and GP2, I mean, what the f <laughs> Like, talk about cheat code defensively, Imagine right? Imagine, like, a Steph, GP2, Wiggins, Draymond, OG lineup. Like That's insane. Yeah, probably defensive leaning. Like, Steph would have to figure some stuff out, right? They might cheat off of Draymond and, and GP2, whatever. But defensively, hey, man, all you got to do is run some pick and roll. You run pick and roll, it's, uh, it's lights out. That lineup would be a plus 
14, 15 easily. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Defensive, yeah. like you want defensive leaning lineups uh, when it comes to yep. playoffs. And the more you have to uh, rely on Steph to create things for you, the better for the Warriors anyway, right? Yep. Yep. So yep. I'm not worried about that at all whatsoever. Um, I still have You're complete right. and utter trust in mm-hmm. Steph to be able to create the kind of spacing and easy shots for. And guys like OG, you know, they, they can finish really well. You know, if, they, if they're in open space, they're going to, they're not, you know, there are certain scrub players that need things to be very specific and very open uh, for them to convert. Uh, but for a guy like OG, who is also, he brings something unique to the Warriors in that he's very good in the paint area, you know, from a scoring standpoint. Wiggins is okay at it when he has a mismatch. He's got that little, you know, hook shot against much smaller guys, but he's not as good at that against bigger players. OG can kind of, you know, hold his own in the paint against like a lot of different guys. So if he has a, a sliver of space, he's going to, you know, he's going to finish that. So, yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, so offensively, you know, he's, he's, he's efficient and he's a pretty good three point shooter too. He's but, efficient with bad spacing that Toronto, you have precious, precious, uh, Chris Boucher, Siakam guys like even Van Fleet, who, who's not necessarily like a sniper. He didn't really shoot the ball well this year. Gary Trent, who's streaky, like, OG averaged 17 on 47, 39, 85 splits on a team that had one of the worst spacing in the NBA. Now you put Steph Curry next to him, you might have an Andrew Wiggins effect where he ends up being a 40-plus three-point shooter on six attempts, seven attempts. You know, When you're already an efficient player and you come to the Warriors – like your 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 efficiency is gonna go up like crazy. We saw that with even a guy like KD. Yeah. Right. Yeah. His efficiency just went through the roof, right? So yeah, you bring in efficient players and put it in the Warrior system, they're gonna be that much better. So uh I think we saw that even with a guy like uh, Dante. Uh, his shooting was yeah, you know, throughout shot a career high, 39 percent from three. Yeah, yeah. So OG is a, a top name. I, I think the Raptors are really hoarding some of these forwards that yep. are that could be really good for the Warriors. Yep. So I think they are a prime uh, trading partner, especially given that Fred Van Vliet looks to be uh, moving on. Look, uh, the Raptors looking to blow it up, yep. start with fresh, you know, young new talent, and start rebuilding. Well, they they hired um, a, a rookie coach, a coach that's young. The, it was a Grizzlies assistant, I believe. Very young coach. And then they hired Jama from us, who's our development coach. So the, they're trending towards a rebuild. I mean, this is not – this. there's no secret, you know? I'm totally okay with Jama getting the hell out of here. Uh, yeah. You know, what, what – what, if he's developing young talent, I mean – Maybe he did. I don't know, uh, but we didn't get to see much you know, of it, right? Funny. He, he, um, Jama and Dehan uh, Milojevic, who who was intended for a one to one Wiseman thing, 
like he was supposed to be Wiseman's one-to-one kind of like footwork specialist and mm-hmm. skill work and that stuff like that. Dehan ended up helping Looney a ton with the rebounding, like positioning, angle, stuff like that. So day it's it's funny because he ended up helping Looney more than Wiseman. And then Jama actually ended up helping Wiggins with the like positioning and, and, and POA and rebounding and just finding spots to be efficient offensively and stuff. Like the funny thing is the development coaches actually ended up helping the vets more than the kids in in a sense, in a sense. That's funny. Yeah. But the Warriors need uh they need new they really need some new minds uh on that yeah. bench because this this year was a disaster. It was terrible. So, you know, obviously we've heard some other names come up like Kuzma. People are talking about Bradley Beal, which, you know, I don't want these Bradley Beal and Zach, Zach Levine types uh, unless unless they're moving, moving on from Clay somehow and they're able to move him yep. for younger legs, fresher legs, more capable defensively. I don't know, whatever the case yep. may be. Yep, yep, uh, yep. But I just don't see that happening. I, I don't – that doesn't seem like a realistic – they – even if they do that, even if they make those moves, they still need size. They still need the power forward replacement. You cannot go into the playoffs and expect, you know, long-term success or great success without proper size, without guys properly able to hold their own at their respective positions. Right? You just can't be going tiny. Right. And Steve Kerr has shown a propensity to do that this year. I think yeah. he's a little bit confused for one reason or another, thinking that size somehow does not matter anymore. But, you know, Draymond being able to play center, uh, he's able to play it. He's able to hold his ground against centers. He doesn't need a constant double team because he's not able to hold ground. That means he wouldn't be able to play the center position. Right. Yeah. So yeah. you can't confuse just because, yes, Draymond is small, but he can hold ground at that position. That's why you play him. Mm-hmm. But so you can't just put somebody at power forward if they're not holding ground at that position. If they're constantly needing double teams, if they're constantly getting outbodied, you know, and just, you know, giving up easy rebounds because you're too small, then they're not playing their roles at that position. So no matter what, they need a viable stretch power forward type again like an auto type um that makes the warriors super elite come playoffs absolutely and and you know i think um og can can kind of serve that role because he is six eight he averages like six rebounds on a team that has a bunch of size and i do think if the warriors emphasize rebounding and and the extra small things like that to og i think og can be the an an, an, a better version of auto in some ways, the playmaking is probably his only weakness, but I still think that's something he can figure out. But the shooting is there. The slashing is there. The versatility is there. The, the defense is there. And the rebounding is there. So we'll see. I mean, no player is perfect, but I do think there's also other options that are going to be available. Um, I know Porzingis is a name that's been floated. Personally, Porzingis or Cat, like... I here's my thought on that, right? When people bring those names up, is there a is there a scenario where GP two closes a lineup or closes a game over them? And if the answer is yes, then no, I I just don't want them. But there is no situation where GP two would close a game over OG Ananobi. Just no situation. Like OG can li- literally guard one through four and some fives 
he can guard Jokic. I've seen it. And and then on top of it, he can guard Embiid. And he can also rebound. And he's also 6'8". So, like, unless OG's in foul trouble, you're really not going to play GP2 over him. There's a situation where if another team's kind of playing small, like the Clippers or something, and they play whoever, Nick Batum at the five. And you got Cat out there, and he's just closing out, and it's just, like, hard to watch. You just got to put GP2 out. Like, you're putting a $9 million player out there over a guy that's making down near 40, 50. Like, Porzingis, same thing. I just don't know if you can close with certain centers. If you get OG, he's very, by the definition, a three who can play the four, who can play some small ball five. And maybe he's not ideal in some ways, right? He may have some weaknesses, but at the end of the day, he's the most versatile defender in the NBA statistically. He's the most. Um, You can put him on Giannis. You can put him on Brooke Lopez. You can put him on Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. Like, he can guard all of those dudes. He can guard LeBron. He can guard AD. He can guard D'Angelo Russell. He can guard all of them. And... He can also rebound. Again, if you can emphasize certain things with him and, and playmaking and whatnot, like just improve in certain areas, I think he'd, he'd be even better. And he's only making $18 million on top of it. So it's not like he's making a ton of money. And that contract is going to last a few more years. So then we can make a decision based on that to extend and whatnot. He's a controlled asset. So he might be, I think he's the ideal scenario. Now you look at a guy like Siakam, he's the dream dream scenario because he's a legit secondary scorer, secondary creator. When Steph sits on the bench, Siakam can run of the unit for five minutes, and you you can breathe. It's not like, you know, you're just like holding your breath because Jordan Poole and Clay are out there chucking, and it's they can't play defense. Siakam can legitimately man a second unit, so that's why with Siakam might be the ideal situation for me. Now I don't know how realistic it is because we may have to give up a ton for him, and I don't know if we're willing to do that, and it would compromise some of our stuff and some of our depth. Some of our assets, but Does I give think- up a core piece for a Siakam. Core piece, as in Steph, Clay, Draymond. Obviously not Steph, but you know what I mean. Clay, yeah. Draymond. Yeah. Um, Wiggins, give- Clay, Draymond. I don't know if I'd give up Wiggins, but I'd give up. I'd give up Draymond. I wouldn't give up Wiggins because I don't know who would be our POA guy. Like I'm going to disagree with you, yeah. and here's why. Siakam, if you give up Draymond right, to get yeah. Siakam, that means Siakam would be the replacement closing center. Mm-hmm. Right? If they want to go small because Looney sure. can't, right? There's yes. problems running Looney or whatever. You can't do that. Siakam is not a guy who can p- consistently hold ground as center. I don't think he's that type of, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's a he's a power. He's a He's a tweener, small forward who's who's a power forward now in this, you know, in right, this right, right. climate of NBA basketball. Uh-huh. Uh, for for a guy like that to play center is like you have to be re- a really special defender, right? And Siakam is, I don't think he's that guy. So from a defensive That's standpoint, fair. you're, you're right. So, but, but I think these kinds of guys, I understand I, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, if they if they can keep Draymond and bring right. on Siakam. I think that would also still bring on a new dynamic of issues. Like you, do you understand how many scorers 
<laughs> or would be on the Warriors. Oh, like with Steph, that, Clay, Wiggins, Siakam. Right, but sometimes what I'm trying to say is that sometimes that causes a problem of its own. If you remember, yeah. even with bringing KD. Well, here's the thing, though. Let me let me say this. Steph mm-hmm. is unselfish by nature. Wiggins and Siakam are actually very unselfish too. They don't demand the ball like Siakam in Toronto. He actually deferred to Fred Van Fleet. He 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 allowed Van Fleet to run the run the team even to a fault. Um, the only player that I would ha- have a question about in terms of you know forcing the issue, taking shots is Clay. But like Steph would allow Siakam to do his thing. Siakam would allow Steph to do his thing. You got Wiggins figuring it out in the middle, and then Clay would be just shot chucking, which is a problem. So you'd have you, to temper Clay. Yeah, you gotta. This is it's that would make it really tough because you're turning Wiggins who should be a, about a 20-point-per-game scorer into, what, a 15, maybe maybe 14 to 15-point scorer. You're going to have to do the same thing with Clay. I think to some extent you need to do that with Clay anyway as uh, his career starts to, you know, like we, we kind of saw. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we're overreacting uh, because of, you know, uh, w- what happened in the playoffs, I, maybe his overshooting and these things. But if he just adjusts a little bit, I think maybe it'll be okay. Uh, but if you ask him to score, you know, significantly less, because that's what's going to happen. Like, there's only so many points you can score in a single game with yeah. this many, like, 20-plus point scorers. But here's the thing, though. I think Steph could be around 26. Siakam could be around 21. Clay could be around 17. Wiggins, another 17. I think that works. Because that's what? 47, 34. That's like 78, that's like 80 points between the four of them. That's like, that makes sense. That's like, look at Poole, Clay, Steph, and Wiggins this year. They were around 80-ish points, maybe even more, but it was not as bad. But you got to consider how much sacrificing Poole had to do in order for that to work, right? But but also positionally, because that's positional. But like Siakam's a front court player, so he can be a play finisher. Poole is just a playmaker, shot creator. Siakam can be a shot creator and a play finisher. Wiggins, shot creator, play finisher. Clay and Steph, they're well, Clay's not a shot creator, but Steph is. Now, the only thing I would say is like, well, here's the other thing though. If Steph sits, see, I like Siakam running a second unit. I don't like Clay running his. I just if you look at the numbers when Wiggins is out there, when Steph is off, it's like horrendous. He just can't, he's not efficient at all. So it's it would be nice to have a guy that you can rely on when Steph sits just for a few minutes where you can breathe because he is capable of handling a second unit, you know, and and keeping keeping us above water. Yeah, I mean, I I think what they have is fine in terms of uh, play creation and stuff like this. Uh, from a yeah. back backup point guard standpoint, if they keep Ty Jerome, like I think that's more than good enough. Um, you just you know, there's a difference between asking a player to sacrifice to some extent uh, and asking a player to sacrifice to a great deal. You bring in a Pascal Siakam, you're sacrificing, uh, you're asking three different, four different players to all sacrifice from a scoring standpoint. And it's a lot of points that, that you're asking them to sacrifice. And Pascal Siakam averaged, what, 26, 27 or something like that? Uh, 24. Four, or maybe maybe 26 actually yeah 26 yeah I mean, that's a 26. lot of points man like we're not talking about 20 points here we're talking about yeah. you know closer to 30 than 20 right so right, right. that's an incredible amount of sacrificing you're asking 
for a guy like even Wiggins, who already Actually, was, it was, it was 24. It was 24. It was 24. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, but even then, but here's the thing though. He is very efficient. Like he, he averaged 24 on 47, uh, 32 splits. 32 is not great, but again, they didn't have a ton of spacing in Toronto and he gets to the free throw line. Here's my thing. If you can get talent that fits, I think that's the move. Like talent that fits now fit to me is more important than talent, obviously. But if you can get both, then I think I'm living with the results because at the end of the day, like now, obviously you need a guy that has the right temperament and demeanor. Like he's not going to be a, 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 a selfish player or whatnot, but Siakam by all accounts is very, very unselfish. And we saw him be the second best player on a championship team. Like those types of players don't, don't come around that often, but we would have to give up a lot. That's just a name, but I'm just thinking like, when we talk about Porzingis and Cat, I'm good on them personally. When we talk about Siakam, that's the ideal situation. When we talk about OG, that's realistic and very, very ideal. Like, it's very good. And then when we talk about, like, you know, Markel Fultz and Wendell Carter, it's probably not realistic because I looked at, I saw an article a couple weeks ago. They're going to be the cornerstones for the Magic for years to come. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're going to, you know, they're, they're not going to be moved. But... Who knows? There might be a surprise player that we don't even know about, and things are fluid all the time. So we may be caught off guard, and and maybe someone gets traded here that we don't even know and never even thought that would come over. But we'll see. I just think if I were to prioritize it, it'd be talent and fit, then fit, then talent. And talent matters, but we saw with Otto. You know, he's a great player, but at the end of the day, he fit. And then we see Kaminga. You would you could argue on paper, like Kaminga has more tools, like from an athleticism standpoint, like he can jump higher, he can run the floor better. Uh, he's just quicker on his feet. But Otto, from a connective standpoint, just moved the ball better, could spot up a little bit better, could rebound better. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like those things matter uh, a lot. But uh, yeah, any last thoughts on, on, on that? Yeah, at the end of the day, man, the Warriors just need eight viable like pieces that are going to be in playoff rotation, right? As long as they have that, and then they can have, you know, decent pieces. They, it, everything doesn't have to be like elite. Um, but it, that's, a, that's just all a matter of what talent that come, uh, comes back. So again, uh, see if, if the Warriors somehow get Siakam and they manage to keep Draymond in the process of that. Okay. You know, whatever they have to figure out, they'll figure out. Um, yeah. But like, like you said, the most ideal is like somebody who doesn't require to be like, oh, I have to score 20 points or else, you know, that kind of. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. OG is like more fits right in as like, yeah, you know, a kind of do it all kind of guy without feeling the need to like, oh, you have to feed him or else. Here's this the thing, kind of thing about Siakam too, is that he can rebound. He averages eight rebounds, nine rebounds. Great rebounder. He can defend really, really well. And he can play make. He's a, he's one of the best playmaking front court players in the NBA. Like the dude averages six assists, and his ability to play make is just such a it's at such a high level. His ability to just find guys in the corner, uh, catch and shoot, like um, in transition, and and ultimately um, drive and kick. That stuff. His vision's very good. He would be able to find Clay and Steph for sure. He he, he has great vision. His dump off ability, like. Siakam is, I'd argue, maybe one tier below Draymond as a playmaker. And I would argue maybe even better because 
on the Warriors, because you have Steph and Clay as threats and Siakam is a threat to score, his playmaking would take a step. Draymond's inability to score, in fact, hurts his playmaking because there's less space for him to operate and find these players. Teams play him for the pass. Siakam, no way. You can't play off Siakam. If you t- if you play off Siakam, he can shoot and, and score. With Siakam, if you play up close, that helps his playmaking because now there's more space to operate under. So these are just things I think about. But but like you said, you're right. Like OG would be more realistic, and he's less salary. We don't have to give up as much. If you give up pool and like two firsts for OG and maybe like another piece, that's a win for me. Like one thing, one thing I'll take yeah. into consideration is the fact that he does score like 20 points more than Draymond, and that matters right. too. Right. So if, if Draymond right. is gone and Siakam is in there, maybe it's a different dynamic, man. Maybe they don't have to go, you know, small necessarily. Stylistically, we could adjust. Just change it up. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I got you. You know, yeah. uh, but again. Hopefully we get the OG situation thing. Yeah. Like we've been talking about this forever. If they got OG at the trade deadline, the Warriors are champions this year. The Warriors completely yep. wasted an opportunity, and now uh, bringing this all back to Mike Dunleavy, he has an opportunity here uh, because now the Warriors are expected to make moves rather than like, yep. oh, you won despite this and this, so you don't have to do anything. Right? Absolutely. So. Yeah.